Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. It's hard to believe that as I'm saying these words, almost half a century has gone by since Neil Armstrong, Edwin, Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins blasted out of the Kennedy Space Center in Cape Canaveral, Florida, with a presidential promise to fulfill. But here we are. The Apollo 16 mission launched on July 16, 1969 at 9.32 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And NASA didn't pick that start time at random. It was chosen because it checked off the right boxes on a long list of requirements. Crafting launch schedules has always been a rigorous science. Every mission has its goals. In Apollo 11's case, the main objective was to put an American astronaut on the moon, winning the space race for old Uncle Sam. To that end, NASA selected five potential landing sites just above the lunar equator. Since nobody likes a bumpy landing zone, the candidate sites were geographically flat. But the astronauts couldn't just head out at their earliest convenience. A lunar day lasts for 29.5 Earth days. So if you were to stand at a given point on the moon's surface for that amount of time, you'd experience about 14 straight days of nonstop sunlight, followed by roughly 14 uninterrupted days of darkness. For Apollo 11, NASA went full Goldilocks. The agency decided that the crew's now-famous Eagle module needed to land at lunar dawn when the sun is low but still visible. Shadows became a topic of discussion. If the ground-level shadows were too long or too short when Armstrong and company first arrived, they'd cause visibility problems. Therefore, the eagle would have to touch down while the sun was between 15 and 45 degrees above the lunar horizon. These factors helped give NASA a set of launch windows. A launch window is the time frame in which a spacecraft can leave the Earth. They're often quite narrow, especially when complex maneuvering is involved. With the Apollo 11, the crew had to blast off, position themselves over a specific corner of the Earth, shoot toward the moon, and then land the eagle at a pre-approved site during lunar dawn when the sun was 15 to 45 degrees overhead. Of the five possible landing areas, NASA ultimately chose the Sea of Tranquility. They wanted to put Armstrong and Aldrin up there late in the summer of 1969. The lunar orbit meant that NASA would only get two chances to hit its moving target— In order to reach the Sea of Tranquility under the perfect set of conditions, Apollo 11 had to take off on either July 16th or August 14th. NASA picked the former date. The July 16th launch window was open from 9.32 a.m. to 1.54 p.m. To buy the crew some extra time in case they needed it later, Apollo 11 was set to head skyward at the earliest possible opportunity, which is to say, right when the window opened. Within four days, Armstrong and Aldrin were doing the moonwalk. The astronauts returned to Earth on July 24th. Fifty years later, launch schedules are still notoriously hard to plan. As NASA's official website dryly notes, this is not a job for someone who slept through physics class. Launch windows are inevitably shaped by mission objectives. Want to send a rover up to Mars? Your best bet might be to wait until Mars and Earth find themselves in opposition, a point when the gap between the two planets is fairly short, and they're both on the same side of the sun. That opportunity only comes along once every 26 months. When a spacecraft is supposed to visit another heavenly body, like Mars or the Moon, its travel plans will be dictated by the other body's orbital pathway and Earth's own trajectory. And that's not all. The gravitational influence of other bodies, such as the Sun, must also be considered. Plus, man-made devices always encounter friction and wind when they pass through Earth's atmosphere. That interference is guaranteed to affect launch trajectories, and by extension, launch windows. And, of course, atmospheric pushback isn't just a problem for deep space missions. Even crafts that were built to orbit the Earth and go no further have to deal with this issue. One such object is the International Space Station. 
Aboard a crewed laboratory, the ISS orbits roughly 220 miles above the Earth, or about 350 kilometers, and completes about 16 revolutions around the planet every day. NASA used to send astronauts up to the ISS in reusable space shuttles. Every day, the ISS would pass over, or near, the launching site at Cape Canaveral. For a successful rendezvous to occur, NASA's shuttles needed to take off within five minutes of that passage— And to avoid dumping fuel tanks onto populated areas, the ships had to follow a south-to-north trajectory over the Atlantic Ocean. You won't see any of those launches on NASA's 2019 schedule. The American Space Shuttle Program was retired in 2011, and NASA no longer ferries astronauts to the ISS. At the moment, that's Russia's job. Regardless, the Kennedy Space Center sees off loads of other missions every year. And by the way, NASA's got plenty of other launch sites at its disposal, including the Vandenberg Air Force Base in Southern California. And wherever a launch is scheduled to begin, you can bet that meteorologists are paying close attention to the weather. Early in 2019, the much-anticipated liftoff of a SpaceX Falcon Heavy rocket at Cape Canaveral was delayed due to high winds. Back in 1971, weather constraints forced NASA to postpone the Apollo 14 launch by 40 minutes. These delays were imposed after a close call in November of 1969, when the Apollo 12 crew launched on a murky morning from Kennedy Space Center. Just 36 and a half seconds later, when the crew was about a mile and a half or two and a half kilometers above the ground, the first of two lightning bolts struck the vessel. Nobody panicked. Astronauts Charles, Pete Conrad, Alan Bean, and Richard Gordon followed mission control's instructions carefully, and within a week, Apollo 12 made it to the moon. But NASA set up strict launch standards that prevented this from ever happening again. But rain, lightning, and wind aren't the only things that could potentially interfere with a launch. To avoid putting any passing airplanes in harm's way, NASA collaborates with the U.S. Air Force and Federal Aviation Administration to close large swaths of commercial airspace during launch windows. Today's episode was written by Mark Mancini and produced by Tyler Klang. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more on this and lots of other carefully calculated topics, visit our home planet, HowStuffWorks.com. And for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Listener.